You're listening to the Handmade CEO Podcast. My name is Maria Lauren, small business owner and creative entrepreneur. Each week, we'll discover the steps and motivation that inspire our guests to create income from their skills. Get ready to start learning how to creatively pursue your dream job by crafting it yourself. Thank you for tuning in to episode 71. I have to admit that branding is by far one of my favorite topics. Today's guest is a branding expert, and I have a feeling that our conversation will have you reevaluating your current branding strategy. Hi, Henry. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I would like to start by finding out a little bit about your background and how that influenced you to become an entrepreneur. Oh, what a great question. And I, by the way, I love the name of this show. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> As a guy deep into branding, I was like, wow, this the, the name of this show is spot on. Oh, that's um, awesome. Thanks. <laughs> you're very welcome. So I'll make it really quick. I was working corporate for eight years at a local hospital. I was I got out of college right when 9-11 hit, so nobody was really hiring, but through some connections, was able to get that position at the hospital, worked my way up, got my master's degree in business management, and sort of worked my way up into the children's hospital where I was responsible for raising money for the Sudden Infant Death Syndrome Center. So for those folks that don't know what SIDS is, unfortunately, it's when a baby dies under the age of one years old without any cause. Mm-hmm. And so it, as as sad as that was, the rewarding part of the job was to raise those funds and then take those funds and create events that brought the families of SIDS babies in the state of New Jersey all together for support. All of these events, whether it was a fundraiser or an event for the families, I needed marketing materials. I needed invites. I needed all types of design work done. And one of those events was sponsored by Z100, one of the biggest radio stations on the planet. And I knew I needed to like step my game up a little bit. So one of my buddies was a graphic designer and sat me down and and did all of the marketing work for me. And that's when I got bit by the design bug and I started a little side hustle right after that event as a designer. And I would work all day at the hospital and then come home. I lived in this tiny apartment with barely any furniture and I had this laptop from work. Well, what I did was I got the boss to to get the Photoshop program for me through the department. And I started using the laptop to really work on all the in-house stuff, but all my side hustle stuff too. Sorry, guys. (laughs) And I did that for about I would say about two and a half years. And then eventually the hospital was sort of tightening up and things were getting a little tight because it was 2008 and the economic crisis and all of that. And my boss brought me into the room and said, listen, at the end of this year, they're going to kind of wipe away this position. But if you stay here, you're going to become someone's secretary. Mm. And I said, master's degree, side hustle, ramping up, motivated, always ambitious. Yeah, that's not going to work for me. I went And I I talked with my girlfriend, who's now my wife. I talked to my father. I talked to my uncle who got me the job at the hospital. And I sort of asked them what I should be doing. And my uncle gave me a very interesting story because he has a big construction company to this day. And I went to him and I said, you know, maybe I could just come work for you. And he's like, well, what would you do here? You know, big heavy highway construction company, bridge construction, all that. And I said, I don't know. I'd be like a project manager or something. He's like, Henry, like your cousin and his friends, like they all went to school for this stuff. Like they know what they're, he basically was saying, they know what they're doing. You, you right. don't. <laughs> so he said, you know what? Let me, let me talk to my, let me talk to your cousin. Let me talk to my executive team. Let me see what we could do for you and I'll get back to you. And 
week one goes by, week two goes by, week three goes by, and he never got back to me. And now I'm getting anxious because I got to tell my boss the, what my, my decision is. And when he never got back to me, that was the one thing that pushed me over the edge. I knew that my calling was to start this business. And I did. And wow. I, told my, I told my boss, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to bet on myself and I'm going to make this happen. And so they all thanked me and that was it. And that first year, I did $248,000 Wow. Revenue. Oh my all God. By my, all by myself. That's I mean, amazing. I was a one-man band. And my accountant at the time said, you know, do you know how much you did? And I said, no. <laughs> I'm so busy working. I don't even know, you know? Right. I, did, I wasn't even looking at my bank account. And she said, you know, you did, you know, quarter of a million dollars. <laughs> right. And I said, okay, well, that then that gave me the confidence to continue to, to grind and, and grow. And here I am 14 years later. Wow. Well, what I find so interesting, of course, maybe we tell the story a little bit different after we've succeeded at something, but- in the beginning, did you ever feel that imposter syndrome? Like maybe it sounded to me like you just said, oh, I'm going to go ahead and create this and you did it. But did you ever pause to think, wait, I didn't go to school for this. I don't know if I'm qualified to do this. I struggled with imposter syndrome probably up until my 13th year of business. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so yes, because I didn't go to school for design and I taught myself, there was a lot of imposter syndrome going on. And so there was a few things that took my mind off of that and focused on my strengths and my unique ability mm-hmm. and my zone of genius that really helped me through those doubts and that that scariness of imposter syndrome. And what I realized was, and one of my old developers, God, I'm going back eight years, nine years, yeah. said, and this is when my design work wasn't even that good. Like okay. I look back and I cringe because I'm like, oh my God, people bought that? <laughs> but, but to be fair, design has completely evolved. So if you look at anything from 10 years ago, it True. looks totally different. True. 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 But one of the things that my developer saw in me that I didn't see was he said, Henry, people are coming to you because they love you. Like they they love your personality. They love your business savviness. You know, there's not many creatives and, and there's a few out there, but there's not many creatives that come with this business savvy, very entrepreneurial mindset. A lot of them are very creative and I, and and trust me, we need a lot of we need these folks in the world, right? But they they're not taught business in school. And that's something that I was that I was introduced to as I started to learn the business more. Where a lot of the creatives coming out of the design center and all of the they weren't getting taught business. So here I am just coming from a family who owned a big construction company, not my, my immediate family, but my uncle. I was just always obsessed with with business growth. And it was very inspiring to see my my uncle grow his company over 50 years and see my great uncle build a company for 75 years. And I just was like, I want to build something. <laughs> I knew that I was probably a tough employee in that in in the corporate world because when everybody else was trying to do tell me what to do I was trying to like blaze my own path I think the the bureaucracy of corporate and I saw it in the hospital over and over and over you had to get like 17 approvals to get something done mm-hmm. that that I struggled with and right. and that's where I think 
me owning my own business, working with the principals that had the, the decision power made things a lot easier. Right. Well, and I feel like when you discovered that you enjoyed design, it just seems like a perfect fit. And once you're fitting into that thing you're called to do, it almost seems like you do become unstoppable. And it, that's exactly what it felt like. And and I'll be honest with you, I will get really vulnerable here. There was a point in my business that I was doing so well where a lot of that success got to my head. You know, I, I we were we I worked with Bon Jovi for two and a half years on two world tours. I was working with every single nightlife slash nightclub entity in New York and New Jersey. And that was when we were going out, you know, three times a week, four times a week. You know, this wow. is my early early twenties. <laughs> and I had this, I had this, what's the word? I just had this feeling and this ego of I'm untouchable. And that eventually caught up to me where basically my family stopped talking to me and resented me for the way I was treating people. And that was a lesson and a cost of that success. Mm-hmm. Uh, I almost lost my, my, my girlfriend at the time, who was my wife, who's my wife now, but she, she was there from day one. So she helped me sort of get my head out of my rear end. And then I went to therapy because the business took a huge dump year five. And and it was because of this. It was yeah. because I let the success get to my head. And I said, all right, I need help. I don't want to be this person. I really don't. It was my environment and it was the people that I was surrounding myself with that was making this happen. And not to blame them because I, I have to take responsibility of my own actions. But I said, if I don't make change here, then nothing's going to change. And I guess it goes to show that there's so much truth that the people that you surround yourself with can really be such a big influence on, on who you are, right? Who you become. But the other hard thing to deal with, I think, is that when you do have a talent, you create success. It almost feels, I don't know, it almost feels like you are the one and only in control. And so I feel like it, it's easy to fall into that. It was very easy to fall into and nobody could tell me anything. And no, I wasn't, I wasn't the egomaniac. You were. <laughs> and, and then, and then it was interesting, you know, as I started to get coaching and, and go through some therapy, I had this one, one coach say to me, one therapist say to me, Henry, it doesn't surprise me that you're getting the clients that you're getting, the ones that don't really appreciate you, the ones that are, are bullying you, the ones that are giving you a really hard time. Look at the way you're treating people. The, the universe is just giving you back what you are giving it. And that's when I sort of learned about the law of attraction and not to get super woo-woo here, but I really started to do a lot of self-awareness and self-development. And I changed. I I definitely cleaned up my act and started treating people differently and starting getting really clear on who I wanted to be in my life and who I didn't want to be in my life. And I I went all in on that. Mm -hmm. And I spent hours and hours and hours studying Jim Rohn and, and those personal development, I would call them legends. Right. Yes. And it really helped me. It really helped me a lot. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Thank you for sharing that. And I love that you're so vulnerable with it because it's the part of business that I don't think people get to hear. And it's so important to understand that it's not just about the money. It's not just about the relationships, but it's also about your internal work. Correct. Correct. All the money in the world is not going to make you happy. And and look what it did to me. I mean, I hear this story over and over and over. And as I, as I got more closer to people that were way more successful than I 
am and I was joining different mastermind groups and networking and, and, and things like that. I always tried to surround myself with people that were better than me in different areas in my life because I said, that's going to rub off on me eventually and I'm going to become a better person. So I, I, I strove. That was one of my goals was to get around people that were better than me and stop trying to be the, the big fish in the small pond or the or the smartest person in the room, right? right yes, You're not going to learn anything in that room. So what I realized was they they all said that money was not the root of their happiness. It was doing what they love to do when they wanted to do it with who they wanted to do it with. And I said, I'm signing up for that. Yes, for sure. And I think the other thing that entrepreneurship, if you're doing it well, provides is that liberty of deciding how you devote your time to things, whether it's with your family, whether it's to work, vacation. I think that freedom is something that can't be explained. Yes, absolutely. And that's what I am working for now as you know, the business is 14 years old and I spent the last three years systemizing it to the point because my wife and I uh, started a family three and a half years ago. And we have a beautiful baby boy. And as I was growing up, I saw things in my life where, yes, the person was super successful, but was not present Mm -hmm. in their, in their kids' lives. And I was also given, I was actually given this advice one day from somebody that I really, really look up to. And they said, yeah, they had their baseball games. They had their soccer games and football games. And you you know what I told them? Take a picture for me. And I and I said, you know what? That's to me, <laughs> to me, that was cold. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I said, I, I'm not doing that. So I, I spent a considerable amount of money, time, and energy to systemize this business, not only for me, but for my clients, where literally I'm working, I, I would say totally about 20 hours a week, if that, maybe even 10 or 12. I don't work many hours during the week because everything is so systemized. <laughs> right. That's perfect. That, and I yeah. think that's another thing that people struggle with, your standard operating procedures. Since you're making up your business, you, you're creating it yourself. There is no, there's no blueprint. You kind of have to figure out how to do that. So can you tell me a little bit about your business and why it's so important for businesses to have a strong brand from the start? It's a great question. Let's just identify what branding is real quick, not to take for granted. People know what it is because some people are like, oh, it's a logo, it's a website, it's your colors, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not that at all. It, it's it's partially that, but that's what we call brand assets. You know, those are the tangibles. But what a brand truly is, is a gut feeling that people get when they interact with your business or product or you if you are the face of the business. So how do you want to show up? How do you want to be perceived? What feeling do you want to give people when you leave the room? As you may already know, I'm a huge fan of selling on Etsy. I've had over 10 years of selling my jewelry and digital cards there. And to be honest, it is by far the easiest platform to navigate. It takes no time at all to list an item with a smartphone. And really, that's how I get most of my products in my shop. To make it easier for you to get started, I'm sharing a link in the show notes for you to open your shop with 40 free listings. That should motivate you to finally take that first step and get your shop online. If you're looking to finally open your store with absolutely nothing to lose, now is the time to try Etsy. Now back to the show. Right? That's brand at its core. So I'm a firm believer that people do business with people first 
then they buy your product or service. So if you don't have a strong personal brand, then you don't have a shot really. So I'm a big proponent of helping our clients define who they are, who they want to serve or who they want to be a hero to, and then help them really understand how they're going to position themselves and package themselves to connect with those people on a human to human level. Because I'll tell you right now, in 2021 and beyond, I'm seeing a huge trend in brands, big brands, small brands, and it's the humanization or humanizing your brand or business to the people that you truly want to serve. So making it more personal, creating a stronger experience, creating an identity that stands out from everybody else that does what you do. So humanizing your brand is how you do that. Think about your business as a human organism. What are you feeding it? What kind of nutrients are you giving it? Are you going in the cheap route when it comes to developing funnels and websites and identity and then attracting that? Because I'm a firm believer as well that likes attract likes. Quality attracts quality. So if you if you want a quality client, then you need to be a quality brand. If you want first class clients, you need to be a first class business and deliver a first class experience. Imagine flying across country in first class and being ignored for six hours. Yeah. Think about that. So I want I want you and your audience to understand the importance of branding and that experience that you create for them from the second they hit your website to the second they exit your service or your product. Everything matters. Everything matters. I think most people, you're right, tend to look at it as just the pretty things, the colors and the fonts and the graphics. So I love the way you describe that. And how have you seen that the branding um, opportunities have changed now that there's video? I mean, you've seen so much. It's been several years now that you've been doing this. So has it gotten easier for a brand to explain who they are? Yeah. So I tell my brand accelerator clients all the time, here's the way you look at social media. You could look at it two ways. You could look at it as consuming it or producing it. And I highly recommend you produce it versus consume it because consuming it is going to waste a lot of time. Producing it is going to bring a lot of ROI back to your business. So one of the things that I learned in the past was when I first had enough money to reinvest into my business, I, I made this pretty website. It was like award-winning. And then I had somebody look at it and they said, Henry, we're, it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's stunning. But where are you in this website? There's not a video. There's not a mention of you. <laughs> okay. That makes so sense. I, yeah. So, so I said, wow, did I miss the mark here? So valuable lesson learned. I created this origin story video and I I put it on my website and it changed everything. Now people got a real sense of who I was and the meaning and the purpose and the vision behind my business. And they really connected with that. That video, I've upgraded it since, but the, the core of it is still on my, my latest website, which we just redone this month. That origin story video has been updated and still brings in a tremendous amount of qualified client because they resonate with me. So video is fantastic. And I want you and your audience to understand that when you put out a piece of content, look at it as a tentacle that's coming out of your business. And when your audience can grab onto that tentacle and start to pull themselves closer to you and to your business, you're providing value. You're providing an opportunity to connect. And so the more tentacles you put out there, the more they're going to be able to grab onto and the easier 
they're going to be able to pull closer to you. So that's the way I see social media and producing on social media. Mm-hmm. Because if there if there's a day that goes by that I don't produce something, well, then there's a tentacle that couldn't make a connection. And that's right. that bothers me. And that's why I am so consistent in what I do. A lot of the brands that I see, especially the small business owners, they talk in almost like as if they're a really big company. And I think, well, I, I feel like the person that's shopping on Etsy, for example, wants to feel like they're dealing with a creator, not a we team. My, my brand name's Willow and B. So let's say at Willow and B, we, and I feel like that's, that makes it less relatable when you can't actually show that it's just one person. But even if you have a team, I think owning it is a little bit better than making it seem like you're a really big organization. I mean, everyone knows you're not. So (laughs) People are starving for the truth and we have to provide the truth to them through our brand, through our communication. And that's it. I mean, one of the biggest mistakes I ever made in my career as an entrepreneur was in the beginning, trying to be somebody that I was not. Mm -hmm. And eventually I could promise you it happens to everybody. Eventually it catches up to you. And the minute I said, I am owning who I am and I am proud of who I am and I am proud of this business and what this business does for other businesses, that's it. And and if you want to come at me with the pitchforks because of my opinions on certain things, well, that's your bag that you need to carry. I'm not necessarily responsible for that bag. I'm not here to drag anybody down. I'm not here to poke fun. That's not me. And if you look at my social content, that's not my approach. But you will see social content from me that's very firm and not opinionated, but you know exactly my stance. <laughs> and and that has helped me draw in the clients that I truly want to work with. That just resonates so much with me because I always tell people you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea and that's completely okay. I know that as a consumer, I don't like absolutely everything that just say Target carries. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not offensive that I don't like everything and it's okay that not everybody is going to be a fan of yours. So I love that you're saying it's more important to be true to yourself. Mm-hmm. Could you give me an example of one of your favorite brands or maybe a, a strong brand that you're aware of that maybe the anyone that's listening can see what you're talking about it being more than just an image more than just an image so man there's so many to choose from right i will give you i'll give you one that i'm actually working with right now so everybody told me this shopping on demand and like those brands where like stitch fix Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of those, right? Where right. they never get my style. I'm always sending things back. And I'm like, mm, I'm going to give Stitch Fix a try. I lost all this weight over the past six months or so. So I was like, I'm getting back into being comfortable in clothes again. Right. So I said, you know, let me join Stitch Fix because I have to, I need all new clothes because nothing fits me anymore. Right? Everything's all baggy. So I signed up. And I get stitch after stitch after stitch. I think I'm going on my fifth stitch already. And they have hit the nail on the head every single time. I never had to send anything back. And my stylist, her name is Jillian, never met her, but you know, she's Jillian. She writes in my box as if she was one of my good friends, good girlfriends that like really cares about how I look. And she writes these personal little messages. You can see it gives you a space where I guess Jillian types it all out and then it prints it and then it gets gets put in the box. But she's giving me these tips and tricks on how to mix and match because she's 
she's given me all the clothes thus far. She knows what I've bought in previous stitches. So she's like, oh, the, the shirt that I put in in this stitch would go great with the pants that I did in your second stitch. And she literally wow. takes the time to do that. And that to me is how a brand humanizes itself to a T. Stitch Fix is huge, right? Right, but yeah. that personal touch is fantastic. And I know she reads my notes because I've never had to refund or, or send anything back. And I never got anything that I didn't want. And I think you have to understand that there's always got to be a two-way communication here. When anytime somebody has a, a sour taste in their mouth about a certain brand, I don't necessarily smack the brand right away. I look at both sides of the coin and say, well, how is this communicated first? And I, I actually take an arbitrary approach at first. And then the truth some, somewhere lies in the middle. But you always have to pay attention to how well you're communicating and, and to that brand so that they can provide the best experience. And the brands that really stand out are the ones that actually take action on providing that experience to the best of their ability for that individual. I feel like it's easy for a brand or a store to get completely annihilated if you're not making the changes. There's always going to be big guys like Amazon or Walmart who are more than willing to ship to you. So if you're not going to make changes for your client, I feel like it's so easy to lose that customer base. Look at Shopify and Google. I was reading yesterday that Shopify is teaming up with Google to create a stronger e-commerce experience where wow. now all Shopify stores will have a much greater searchability on Google. Wow. So if you have a Shopify store, mm -hmm. you're going to show up on Google a hell of a lot better right. moving forward wow. to compete with Amazon. If I owned a Shopify store right now, I'd be really digging into, okay, what do I need to do to make Google happy? I put out an Instagram story today about change and how change, you could look at it one way. You could fear it, hate it, or you could appreciate it and see the opportunity in it. So it's your choice. It's really your choice how you look at change. Right. See, I always look at change as opportunity and a challenge. We're changing up some offers right now in our business. And I said, we could sit here and do nothing and get pounced, mm -hmm. or we can continue to change and reinvent so that our clients are happy. And we're providing something that people truly need in their business, which is branding. Having that brand stay consistent from messaging to identity to positioning, how can we better align with our clients' needs? And so, you know, we're already executing, we're, we're doers here. We're implementers. When we see a, a, a gap, we fill it immediately. And that's what I, I believe that is what has kept me in business for 14 years and has made our clients extremely successful and, and happy with, with the service that we provide. Well, can we touch a little bit on that, on the services that you offer and in general, if you have a price range for your services? Yeah. So we, we have different tiers of, of work, but what we do first and foremost is make sure that we provide, and I work, this is where my, I stay in my zone of genius is mm -hmm. where I work one-on-one -on -one with that business owner, helping them identify their 
brand strategy, their marketing strategy, and their business growth strategy for the next 12 to 24 months. Okay. So once we develop that brand strategy, then we have to go into application. And this is where we actually build everything out for them so that they could stay in their zone of genius and we handle the tech and the heavy lifting of the creative. So if there's a rebrand that needs to happen, we do that. If there's a website that needs to be built, we'll do it. If there's a funnel strategy that needs to be executed inside of uh, ClickFunnels is the software we use, we're going to build that out for them. We're going to make sure that their messaging is tightened up and is truly focused on the client that they're truly trying to serve. So we do all of that. And then we have a program called Branding on Demand, which allows them to come on board and work with us on a month-to-month basis. So they'll have one call with me per month to make sure that they're staying on track and strategy. And then they could leverage my team to build different assets that we're going to need that month. So if we need to create a social media campaign and we need three or four different designs created, we make that happen for them. They don't have to worry about any of that. So being that support after we we develop or redevelop the branding assets is extremely helpful because you know, you put in the effort of leveling up your brand. And then as soon as the the person or entity that helped you do that goes away, you're like, whoa, 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 what do I do now? Exactly. You know, I got this Ferrari, but I don't know how to drive it. <laughs> right. And right. and and that that's something that that happens all the time. And that's where the branding on the man program actually came to life because we saw that need of consistent help. And we were like, well, let's make this program happen. So I will tell you, we're not, we are a premium service. So we're looking at uh, business owners that are making a, their business is making at least 250,000 in revenue. They're established. They have products and services already, but they're looking to ramp things up or rebrand, or they're coming into a new market and they need help with strategy and positioning, things like that. So all the pricing is on my website. I'm very transparent about that because I say, you know, say you walk into Target and there's no pricing on anything. How pissed would you be? Yeah, that would be a little, it's frustrating, right? <laughs> so all my pricing is on my, is on my website, but I will tell you we're, we're more on the premium end of the the branding services. And uh, we make sure that we do a thorough qualification first before we bring on a new client because we only work with about 10 clients a year. And it's about a 90-day turnaround in what it is that we do. So you know, we want to make sure that we're working with the right fit and that you have the trust in us to accomplish what it is that you want to achieve with your initiative. So that's pretty much how we do it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, what actionable tips do you have for a small business owner that would like to define their brand, but maybe isn't quite ready to hire help? So the first and foremost, what I would do is I would say a couple of things. I would ask you a few things. And the one is what's behind the need for your service? So why is your product or service the choice And how is it going to impact your ideal client? Confused clients or prospects do not buy. So you have to be extremely clear with what the benefit is or the the transformation that your product or service is going to create for that person and to be able to clearly articulate that, okay? The next thing you want to understand is what's the main thing that's drawing clients to you right now? So my question is, what are the top three things that happy customers say about you? 
that you can leverage in your marketing to attract more of those types of people. The next question that I would ask is, how are you standing out from your competition from a branding standpoint? And then how have you positioned your brand to connect with your ideal client in your marketplace? So those are some questions that I would start with to really get a sense of, hmm, do I need to get a brand assessment to see exactly how well this is doing? Or, okay, now that I have those questions, I can go back to the drawing board, get a little bit more clear, put out some more relevant content and see how the market is going to react to it. Because the market's going to tell you if you're on point or not. Everybody that is in business, I'm sure has one or two things that they're doing well, but sometimes you don't stop to say, oh, this is the thing that's really bringing in clients. So <laughs> yeah, just just that you said that makes so much sense. I love that. Well, Henry, where can we connect with you? So there's a couple of ways. Um, because this is a podcast, I'm going to introduce your audience to my podcast, the Brand Doctor Podcast. Because if you're already on a podcast, you probably want to check out another one that's just as awesome as this one. So so the Brand Doctor podcast, I've been, I had the podcast for four and a half years now. We're going on our fifth year. And that's the best way that you can get me if you're coming in through this show, because we'll have, you know, we'll have links out to where you can, where you can get uh, more info on, on the brand and on the business through the show notes on my podcast. So go check out the Brand Doctor podcast and let me know. Let me know what you think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Henry. This was so great. I really appreciate you spending all this time with me. I appreciate you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it, my friend, another talented CEO making an impact with his invaluable knowledge. I love how Henry explains branding. It's easy to feel that it's all about the pretty colors, fonts, and website, but hearing Henry describe a brand as a living, breathing entity with a strong identity really brings the point home. Don't miss the chance to pick up more tips from Henry's free branding masterclass. I'll have the link for you in the show notes. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Handmade CEO podcast. Don't forget to check the show notes to get a glimpse of today's featured guest and special offers. If you love the show, leave a review and share this episode with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. Now it's your turn to start handcrafting your dream job. 